0: mm mm-hmm. I am talking about eight things to remember when you're going through a hard place. And I'm talking about this because uh, as I somehow will uh, uh, meander through uh, what I'm talking about on Sunday mornings, uh, you know, when, when you walk with God and you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, things are not cut and dry. Did you know that? And, and the closer you get to the Lord, the more He will ask you to do things that you're not thinking about doing. So when I prepare, for instance, I I study a lot, I read a lot, and pray, obviously. But it's just amazing to me how, how much the Lord will add to what I've already gleaned from His Word. And He did that again tonight. So Sunday mornings, I'm talking about, you know, just some things that will be occurring that we will experience to some degree before Jesus returns. Just to get you prepared, get everybody prepared. And, and that does include some, some difficult times ahead. Nobody wants to hear that, but that is the facts of what Jesus said the world would be like before he returned. So so the flip side, the other side of that is, you know, God can do some amazing things in your life when you go through a tough place. How many hear me? So I want to talk about eight things to remember during tough times. I had not even gotten, I've gotten to number one, but I don't even know if I'll get to number two tonight because as I was preparing to get day, God downloaded something else into me. How many know your character is formed during the, uh, during the time that you go through difficulties challenges test trials how many know that there, there there is not character formation until you until you hit a tough place you know if you've done any exercise i do two kinds of exercise i do a cardiovascular exercise with riding a bike on the Noose river trail which is it, you know if you do long distance like i do it, it gets really tough and grueling and and uh I, for 33 years i jogged <laughs> and uh, so you know when you when you exercise that way you you come to a place that you quote unquote hit the wall physically. That is, you feel like you can't go another step. It feels like you just you just uh, all your resources are done. And then suddenly you get a second wind, and and you perhaps have experienced that if you've done any physical exercise and such. And spiritually, it's amazing how similar it is. Again, lifting weights, doing anything like that, strength training. You know, uh, your, your, your muscles are not going to grow unless you put a resistance against them. Is it true? And that's the way it is spiritually. So if you want to be used by God, and if you're going to be used by God, let me say it this way, to the degree that you're used by God, you will, you will, will be tested and tried. That's right, real comforting, isn't it? So First Peter 5.10, just, this just came to me. This is not in the notes. Um, uh, but after you have suffered a little while, listen to what the apostle Peter said, the God of all grace who has called us to his eternal glory through Christ Jesus will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. So if you're going through a hard place in life and things are not the way you like for them to be, your flesh is being tested, your mind is being tested, your emotions may feel awry, in varying degrees if you're in that place it could be that there is a process of restore support, strength and establishment in you how many hear what i just said so that's really amazing and until we go through the tough place we really don't know how to put the word of god into practice so i uh, as i was uh, thinking about all this all kind of things come to my mind how many know abraham spent 25 years from the time that god called him out of uh, Ur of the Chaldees until the baby was born. I, mentioned, I think I mentioned that Sunday morning. 25 years. He had 25 years. There was no sight. It's all faith. God promised a baby to an aged wife, and it, and it didn't happen for 25 years. Can you imagine uh, Abraham telling somebody his name, Abraham, a father of a multitude, and they're childless? And that's a curse in the Old Testament. Can you imagine what that did inside of Abraham and Sarah? As they, as they went from place to place, they look for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So he went from place, and he introduced himself as Abraham. You imagine that worked something in Abraham? Don't you know he had conversations with God? God, you promised, but, you know, three years later, it's not here. Five years later, it's not here. Baby's not here. Ten years later, it's not here. Fifteen years later, baby's not here. Twenty years later, it's not here. They're getting older, <laughs> wrinkly or whatever you know, harder to walk, maybe. I don't know, but I'm just telling you that somehow, and then 22 years, 23 years, 24 years, 25th year, God said, baby time. Do you think it worked something in Abraham's character? Do do you think it did? You know, he is the person that, um, the Christian faith, we call him the father of faith because uh, he's the first one to believe God to where it was accounted to him for righteousness. So we call him the father of faith he had to endure. Think about Joseph. And uh, think about what Joseph endured. 17 years of age, his, uh, his brother sold him into slavery, and he was uh, bought by a caravan of uh, folk, and uh, then sold, sold as a slave into Egypt, and then was, uh, was forced into prison, placed into prison uh, when he was in Egypt. He stayed in prison for 13 years. You imagine that? You imagine being 17 and uh, your your college grooming experience is prison for 13 years and and people lied about you Potter for wife lied about him said he tried to rape her when he didn't uh, uh, and then people just, uh, ignored him. He asked a few people, don't know, would you let, would you let the head jailer know I'm here and I'm doing okay. But you know, he never lost it. He never got a sour attitude. He always believed God. In fact, of all the old Testament characters, um, Joseph perhaps is the one closest to being a type of Christ because, uh. Because there was, you can't find a flaw in the guy's character except the fact that he showed off in front of his brother, brothers with a coat of many colors. And it got him into trouble, didn't it? But th- think about 13 years. Before he was able to be tri- prime minister of Egypt, uh, he had to go through some, some challenges, some tests, some, some, some discomfort, uh, some, uh, some loss, uh, some hunger, some difficulty, some misunderstanding. And then when he was 30 years of age, you know what happened? The famine came, and, and uh, Pharaoh set him because he interpreted the dream uh, to be second only unto him uh, as, as far as the leadership of Egypt is concerned. It took him 13 years to get there. Mo- Think about Moses. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, uh, Acts 7 says, and was mighty in word and deed. He was raised in Pharaoh's court. Actually, Moses was raised as a child. Uh, actually to, to, be an, uh, to be one of the leaders in Egypt. And he knew that, and he was, he was a skilled in oratory ability. He was skilled in leadership. Uh, he was skilled in, in critical thinking. And uh, 40 years of age came along, and I uh, saw one of his Hebrew brothers uh, being, uh, being taken advantage of by an Egyptian, and he got so angry that he killed the guy, hit him in the sand, it was found out. And he spent 40 years in, in, the, uh, in the desert, Tending his father-in-law's sheep. Think about that. Think about the background that he had. Think about the knowledge, the skill level he had. Think about the kinds of people that he uh, rubbed elbows with as a young man, all the way up to age forty. Think about all the fine dinners and fine wine he drank, so to speak. You know, the fine clothes and the the nice places that he lived because he was heir uh, to be one of the leaders of Egypt and. And then to spend 40 years of his life, the following 40 years, you would, you know, the average person would think life was over and that and they were all washed up and nothing would ever happen this positive and that their best days were behind them, not ahead of them. But see, God had a different plan for Moses and for Moses to be able to lead two and a half million people. Think about it. Out of Egypt, think about what he had to endure mentally, physically, Emotionally, circumstantially, as well as physically, think of think of all he endured. Forty years tending stinky sheep, and fending off wolves and predators and lions and bears, and you know keeping them safe and taking them to the to the luscious valleys for, for to graze and and then finding uh, sources of water for them. Just think about what he endured. Uh, th- think about the physical hardships he endured, the mental hardships, the emotional. Uh, and are constantly thinking, I put myself here. How would you like to go 40 years? I put my... I can't blame anybody but me. I can't blame God. I can't blame the Egyptians. I have to blame me because I, I got too angry and I killed the man. And if I go back, they're going to kill me. So I can't go back. Can you imagine how that was? 40 years. And then the burning bush uh, and which wasn't an uncommon sight in an arid desert. Uh, the bush automatically caught on fire. He thought it was just, well, there's another one, but a voice came out of the book. You're a bush. You're on holy ground. Take off your shoes, Moses. I've called you to do something that hasn't been done before. I've called you to lead a group of people, not just sheep. See, you've got to be aware as you tool through life. What you're doing now is a training time for what you're going to do in your future. Did you hear me? I don't know if you've ever thought about it. Did you know that earth is a training ground for what you're going to do in eternity? That your life is not over at death. It's only beginning. Have you ever thought about it? So so what we do now, if you just tool away and just barely get along spiritually here after you come to Jesus and really don't aggress or don't even try, do you know what affects your eternity? So, so think about Moses, 40 years. Think about, think about Joseph, 13 years. Think about Abraham, 25 years. Think about you right now. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with, it's preparation ground. How many hear what I'm saying? Think about David, uh, you know, 16, 17 years old. He killed the giant. David slain his, uh, uh, Saul has slain his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. And uh, he come into town, all the women are swooning over him. And uh, everybody's singing his name, and they're singing about him, and Saul got mad. And think about all of the years that David spent uh, running from a spear tip, hiding at night, being alone in a cave, uh, sleeping with perhaps a a spear or a dagger in his hand, uh, having to have people guard him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Then then he got this motley crew of guys who were outcasts, who were unsociable, uh, and, and they became his little ragtag army that went everywhere he went uh, to help protect him from Saul's designs to kill him. He had to go through that year after year after year after year, even after he was anointed to be king by Samuel the prophet. Do you realize that? He had to go through hardship difficulty, suffering, misunderstanding. How many hear me? Before he could lead a group of people, before he could be king of Israel, he had to be trained and groomed for that. Did you know you and I likewise have to be trained and groomed regardless of what God uses you to do in the body of Christ. You've got to be groomed. You've got to be trained. We've got a bunch of people here in our armed forces. And you know, you got to go through boot camp. You got to be hungry. You got to be thirsty. You got to be angry. You got to be hollered at. You got to be deprived before you're, before you're able to be trusted to go into a battlefield and only listen to the commander's voice. Yes or no? And, and, and then there are degrees of that. If you're going to be a a green beret or an army ranger or a special forces guy, you got to go through triple hell on wheels, quadruple, I mean quintuple, and got to endure things that nobody else is willing to go through. And only, uh, I know with a green beret, for instance, I heard that years ago, three out of 10, I don't know, probably similar with army rangers and special forces. Only a few of those that go into it actually finish because it's so grueling and so difficult and hard. So you got to understand in life in general, not just spiritual things but natural things if god's going to use you to do something if you're going to do, do something to help people you got to be trained is that good so hardship tests and trials are god's proving ground for what he's called you and me to do so so what if what if we changed our thought processes and every time we go through a hard place we're thinking i'm in i'm in i'm in special forces training. I'm in boot camp or I'm going to another, le- what, 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 how about I'm going to another, le- obviously God wants to entrust me with something that I don't have yet. And, and he's proving me to see if I'll stand my ground and do what I'm supposed to do in the hard place. Huh? So what if we changed our tune every time somebody attacks us, every time we don't hear what we want to hear, every time circumstances turn south, every time you know, we're, we're, we're denied over and over and over again and things don't look right and people aren't doing what they ought to do. What am I doing in the middle of that? See, that's training ground. Just a thought, just a thought. Paul came to Jesus on the Damascus Road. Did you know it was 17 years before he entered into his ministry? He was 14 years in the Arabian desert and doing all kinds of things before God ever could trust him to go on those missionary journeys and take the gospel to the Gentiles. You ever thought about it? So what about me and you? What's it going to take? You know, uh, in my heart, I felt like God had something for me. I had somebody speak a word over my life in, uh, fall of 1977. God called me in ministry. Um, six months after I came to Jesus, uh, February of 1977, then the following fall, uh, uh, my pastor had a word from the Lord for me. Said, I, I, it, a, "It actually scared snot out of me to tell you the truth." He said, "You're gonna be." I was, uh, I was not yet 19 years old. He said, "God's called you to be a pastor." Now that scared me, because number one, I don't like speaking in front of people. Number two, I don't like speaking in front of people. Number three, I'm introvert. I don't like to be around people. And God said, I'm a, "You got you got the wrong boy." You know, so so. But think about it, 1977. From 1977 until 1994, what's that? Well, 1976. Just say 76 to to 1994. What's that? 18 years. Uh, It was 18 years for me to train and forever came here at Victory Church. You ever thought about that? Well, I think about it. You know. So, so what about you? you? Say, well, why ain't God doing anything with me? What are you doing with where you are? So well I'm supposed to be doing more. Well, well, well do more with where you are. Have a good attitude where you are. When the going gets tough, man up, woman up, pony up. Be what God's called you to be. Smile in the midst of the storm. Say, you know, I can do it when you feel like you're about to drop. But don't quit when you, everything in you wants to just give up. How many hear me? Oh, whoa. Tough times. What does God what does God have in mind? that he's training you for you just always want to think about this i hope tonight will be a little bit of a turning point honestly this afternoon i was going a different i don't know how god's doing this for me like he downloads things in me and this happened this afternoon So just let me can i just read some things just listen it's in the notes my notes are online i took time to Put them in the notes I published. So this is my private notes. but And they're on the notes to publish. You can look at them. 2 Corinthians four sixteen. For this reason, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. Do you see what that verse is saying? That verse is saying that That things may feel bad, uh, circumstances aren't getting better, you're getting older, it's harder to do what you do, it's not easy to focus and concentrate all the time. All of those things perhaps can play into what he said. Uh, Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed. So what the enemy doesn't realize is that what he means for evil, God will turn around. Like I said, Sunday for good, right? He just he just doesn't get it. He thought 40, 40 uh, days and nights for Jesus when he just got baptized by John and, and then he was, you know, right on the point of starvation because your body doesn't live much past 40 days. The organs from the outside in begin to shut down a little bit at a time when you really get out there up to 40 days. That Don't do that unless... You better have God speak to you to do that, Okay. Moses did it, but he was on top of the mountain in the presence of God. Don't forget. And his face glowed with God's glory when he came down. Jesus was the son of God. But you're not. You're you're more human than he was. Did you hear me? Yeah, you don't have the divine in you like he did. So anyway, just think about all that. And so the enemy played his card. So, well, you know, this dude, he's going to be glad to make some some, uh, stone, some bread. He'd be glad to jump off the temple. He'd be glad. He'd be glad to give up some stuff he's that boy's tired that boy's done. He didn't realize that when you go through pressure points, it makes you stronger spiritually. when you miss some food, you miss some meals when you have appointments with God every day. It doesn't make you weaker. It makes you stronger. Oh, your mind might play games on you and you and your feet might stumble a time or two, but you know what? You're stronger spiritually. Yes or no? Then verse 17, our light affliction which lasts, but for a moment works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen. Things which are seen are temporal, temporary. Things which are not seen are eternal 17 verse 17 our light affliction which is but for a moment that's the way we need to think about life how many times have you been in a tough place how many times have i been in a tough place you know how i get through some tough places this ain't gonna last i I am i'm hit this ain't gonna last forever there's the end game to this. I'm getting through this thing. This is, I, 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 I'm going to come out on the other side somewhere at some point. If you have that kind of mindset, how many know you can make it? And then the Apostle Paul said this in Romans eight sixteen: the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And and if children, verse 17, then heirs, heirs of God and, and joint heirs with Christ. And then he puts a twist on it. If indeed we suffer with him. See, so we like that part where he says the spirit bears witness with our spirit. Woo-hoo! That we're a child of God. And we isolate that one, but if we forget about what it's tied to. If children were heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, hip, hip, hooray. Woo, I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places, we say. If indeed we suffer with him. Whoa, we forget that one. That we may also be glorified with him. Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You're going through a hard place. Things aren't fun. People aren't treating you right. (laughs) Uh, Life is ragged right now. Nothing you like is happening. You ought to be happy. You ought to be excited. God's working something grand in you. That's what he said. Is that true? Smith Wigglesworth there's a book, Ever Increasing Faith. I mentioned it a few weeks ago. I went back and absolutely, I try to read it once a year so. It's been a while since I read the book. I have it digitally and I have it in my library hard copy. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth said, and I never, when I first read this, it was like 1978 maybe. I, I, it totally went over my head. It just went right over my head. He said this and and he was talking about the power of God. He was talking about spiritual gifts. He was talking about miracles that, that God worked through him. He had they say he had twenty-three people raised from the dead under his healing ministry. It's amazing. And people were constantly healed and, and delivered and set free in his ministry. But you know what he said about that experience and this is I never understood it. I understand it now, but I did not when I first read it didn't get it. He said he said it felt as though a thousand railroad engines were running over me to get me to the place where God could use me. <laughs> we haven't experienced that yet. And here's an excerpt I just read today, and I put it in the notes. He said this, we need to wake up and be on the stretch to believe God. Before God could, here's, listen, before God could bring me to this place, He has broken me a thousand times. (laughs) He said, I've wept, I've groaned, I've travailed many a night until God broke me. It seems to me that until God has mowed you down, you never can have this long suffering for others. can never have the gifts of healings, the working of miracles and operation, only as we stand in the divine power that God gives us. We stand believing God and having done all, we still stand believing. Wow, wow. Then he says this, we have been seeing wonderful miracles these last days and they are only a little of what we're going to see. I believe that we are right on the threshold. And this was, uh, actually this book was copyright 1924. I believe we're right on the threshold. Of, that's 200 years ago. Wonderful things. But I want to emphasize that all these things will be through the power of the Holy Ghost. And then he said this, you must not think that these gifts, spiritual gifts will fall like ripe cherries. There is a sense in which you have to pay the price for everything you get. We must be covetous of God's best gifts and say amen to any preparation, The Lord takes through us in order that he may be, that we may be humble, usable vessels through whom he himself can operate by means of the spirit's power. We have uh, at least three big problems. Pride, self-centeredness, and selfishness. That's so much a part of us. They're like our glasses, you know, uh, I used to have, I don't know, I used to have these yellow glasses I put on when a, we'd eat my yard after I cut my grass. Everything turned, yellow yeah, sky's yellow, the bushes yellow, trees are yellow, house are yellow. And that's what happens, you know, some things in our character we just don't realize are there, and it's in me, it's in all of us, this, this, this pride, personal pride. You don't realize how deep it is until somebody challenges you. Then you bow up, You resist. The stronger you do resist others, the greater is the pride in your life. The, the more you've got to uh, retort when somebody says something that you consider outlandish about your life, about you, about your circumstance, what you're doing, whatever. The more you've got to get back, the more you is alive in you instead of Jesus is alive in you. Do you get that? It's quietness. Presbyterian place. Do you hear what I'm saying? So so pride, selfishness, self-centeredness, self-centeredness is everything's got to, if it don't please me, I'm going to chew on you a bit. I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you as uncomfortable as I am because ain't nobody need to be like I am right now. You're going to feel it too. If you have that attitude, you're full of you. And not full of Jesus. Yes or no? That's self-centeredness. Then selfishness manifests. Lots of ways. By knowing what God wants you to do. And you grabbing life. By the next saying I'm going to do it myself. God cannot use you when you do that. I learned a really hard lesson. This is not in my notes. Wow. Uh, I ain't even got started hardly here. 1981, I graduated from Second Bible School, 1,200 miles out of the will of God, was associate pastor of a church that was not a paid position, so I had to work, Susan had to work. And I mentioned this, I think, last time I spoke on this. It's a tough time. And, uh, uh, but one reason I got there was my stubbornness put me there. My pride put me there. The reason I made the decision to get out of the will of God as I started ministry, I started ministry October of 1981 out of the will of God. Hip, hip, hooray. Nowhere but up from there. <laughs> you can't get much lower than that. Called to ministry and you immediately get out of the will of God. Hot dog. What kind of rascal am I? But you know what happened? Uh, God allowed me to stew and God allowed me to sit and God allowed me to soak in it for 10 months until I figured out. And I told Susan uh, one day, uh, Sunday afternoon, I preached every Sunday night. I mean, I was getting people saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, healed and all that. And the pastor let me preach every Sunday night. But I looked across. Susan, uh, I used to drink really unsweet or half and half now. But Susan makes some really awesome sweet tea, by the way. I had a cup of her sweet tea in my hand. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday, and I'm drinking that thing, looking at her and said, Susan, I'm just miserable. And I said, you know, I feel like what Kenneth Hagin said when somebody's out of the will of God. And she said, what's that? And I said, uh, he said, when you're out of the will of God, it's like taking a shower with your socks on. Something's not right about that. And I said, I feel that way. I feel like I'm out of... Round peg, square hole in life here. What's wrong? I'm out of the will of God. I've done something wrong. See, I was so prideful, so full of me, I couldn't see what I did. Does that make sense? See, God will sometimes let you fail so you can succeed. And Sometimes God uh, God will put you in a place that reveals who you are, how you do life, to show you you, because otherwise you'd not see it, and you'd make a bigger mess. Does that make sense? So sometimes you have more success from failures than anything because the failures show you you smith wigglesworth said this as well all of me none of god less of me more of god none of me all of god it flips So as long as I'm on the throne in my life, he's got little to say. You hear what I'm saying? Wow. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who I mentioned a few Sundays ago, German believer, pastor, was martyred in Germany, Nazis. In his his book on his life, when God calls a man, man's generic for men and women, humankind. When God calls a man... He bids him come and die. Wow. Isn't that good? You know, we come, we come to Jesus with a habit of making our own way in life. But here's the problem. If we live the new life he puts inside of us, with the old methods of doing it on our own, we fail. And that's the reason that you've got to go through challenges, hardship, and difficulty, because that's the, it seems like the only way that God can unseat pride, self-centeredness, and selfishness in us, so, so that we will be willing to hear his voice and do what he says when it doesn't make sense. How many hear me? Jeremiah 23, 24, 9, 23, 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, righteousness in the earth. For thee in these things I delight, says the Lord. So he says, Don't put your stock in your human prowess, your human ability, your human ingenuity, your human strength, your human knowledge, your great wisdom. He said, don't do that. In fact, the apostle Paul, perhaps from this thinking pattern from Jeremiah, gleaned perhaps the base of his of his words in 1 Corinthians 1, 26, for observe your calling, brethren. Y'all hear? Y'all just quiet. For observe your calling, brothers, among you, not many wise men. According to the flesh, not many mighty men, not many noble men are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And and God has chosen the base things of the world, the things which are despised. Yes, and he has chosen... Those things which did not exist to bring to nothing the things that do. And why did he do all that? So that no flesh should boast in his presence. What would you do if God raised the dead in your life, in, through you? Where's the cameras? Get a video. Let's put this on Facebook. We better Instagram this. See, we got it all right. In America, the louder, the broader, the more expressive, the better. That's not God. When God's in something, he might not want you to tell another soul. But if you're into it more than he's into it, you know the bottom line, you're probably not going to be used anyway. We're going into a hard place in the world. I mean, it's really, Jesus said, except these days be shortened, no one, no no, saved flesh could survive. Nobody can survive this. Talk about the great tribulation, the last three and a half years of that seven-year period, uh, year period of time we talk about. Said so unless it's shortened, nobody could survive it. And you know what I think about? I think, you know what I really think? I think... uh God God must during that time be getting ready to do something extremely grand in the body of Christ. Because he's coming for a church without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. And to do that, how does he do it? Hardship, difficulty, pressure, challenge. You get it? So the greater the pressure, the greater the challenge the more the glory of God can show up because the less of you that manifests when God uses you. You want to see where you are spiritually? What if God used you to do something outstanding? Could you be silent about it and not tell anybody? It's a big thought, isn't it? So Again, the way to giving up your pride, ego, selfishness, Wanting to do things your own way, wanting others to notice you, getting ahead of God, doing things your way. It's through hardship test challenge. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Jesus said this, John twelve twenty four. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And then he, and then he pointed that towards us. He who loves his life will lose it. Hmm. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You know, what what he's really saying is as long as you're looking for the easy way, you may not have God's best. If you're willing to lose it all, you'll get it all. You're willing not to be known, he'll know you. You'll know him. And he who hates his life In this world, we'll keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. He was just saying, I want you to be like me. I gave it all. I mean, think about what Jesus did. You know, this is a a kind of a a difficult exercise. If you go back to Philippians 2, 5 through 11, it's called the kenosis of, of Christ. The Greek word kenu means the emptying out of Christ where talks about he left heaven and left the power of the office of the son of god he existed before the worlds began all things are created by him and for him and through him and by him all things consist and are held together colossians 1 15, 16 etc and then you think he left the glory of heaven all of the angels doing obeisance to him. Right there with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. But he incarnates himself into a body he himself created. He created your human body. He created the atmosphere of the earth. He created the earth, the stellar heavens. He came and lived within his creation. Now that's a kenosis. That's an emptying out. I still have a hard time thinking about it see, it makes me think, how much have I emptied me out? Not only did Jesus empty himself out of the power of his office of deity, he went a step further. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, which was the most barbaric form of execution in the first century. He was willing to... Be ostracized from the presence of God. To leave the fountain of love and peace and joy. Be separated from his Father for me and you. And experience extreme loneliness in hell. Stay there until God was satisfied. Our sin debt was paid. Preach the gospel while he was there to the spirits in prison. 1 Peter 3.6 He allowed death to conquer him so that he could live and we could live for eternity. So so think about that the next time you're in a hard place. We've not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, the the corpuscles of his uh, uh, right next to the skin burst and he sweat blood because of the intense emotional duress he endured. He See, he, he went to the extreme. He left himself in the extreme for me and you. So what am I willing? to You know, when you're going through a hard place, what are you willing to do? Can you deprive yourself? What if somebody slanders you? Some, what if somebody doesn't treat you properly? What if that phone call from that per business person, they treat you so nastily? You say, well, I'm going to get even with them. And maybe God wants you to do something different. Maybe he wants you to bless them instead. You see what I'm saying? Can God trust us? He trusted Jesus because he gave it all. So can God trust us with his power? Can he trust us to sit until he speaks before we make a decision? Can he trust us to minister with no feeling, and just preach the word, do it by faith, love people, minister life, when there's no anointing and the Holy Spirit isn't saying anything, a lot of people would press it anyway, and demon spirits would come and accommodate them, and they would end up missing God. How many here would have just said So Whoa. See, he has to take us through a hard place to prepare us to be used. Mark eight thirty four, J.B. Phillips' translation, then he called his disciples... And the people around him and said to them, if anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, he must give up all right to himself. Take up his cross and follow me. The man who tries to save his life will lose it. The man who loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. Wow. Must give up all right to himself. Have you given up the right to you? Have you given up the right to be appreciated, to be heard, to be treated nicely? Mm. Second Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, the excellency of the power being from God and not from ourselves. We're troubled on every side. I have a lot to say here, but I'm looking at the clock. We have treasure, this treasure... This word for treasure is something that is so exquisite and precious it must be protected. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, other translations, bear jars of clay. Easily breakable, easily expendable. God's put himself in us. The excellency of the power being from God and not from ourselves. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always carrying, what's this, always carrying around in the body the death of the Lord Jesus, that also the life of Jesus might be expressed in our bodies. Wow. See, we like to pass over that. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that also the life of Jesus might be manifested in our mortal flesh. What's he saying? We're accustomed to not getting our way. We're accustomed to not being treated fairly. We're accustomed to deprivation of food. And we're accustomed to not having enough clothing. We're accustomed to whatever's necessary to preach the gospel to this group of people. We're not thinking about us and our comfort. We're thinking about them and their eternity. So he it says, it's working death in us. But see, because it's death in us, I'm not thinking about me. I'll, I'll, I'll be spent to the nth degree for you. And us in America, this is a foreign world. Did you hear what I said? That's why it's so quiet, because you don't hear this. But my friends, God wants us to come here, come to the place that nothing bothers us. And then here we are, uh, Matthew 7. 14, <laughs> small is the gate and narrow, other translations bear, confined is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find that way. There are few that find the full way of life I don't know how far down the road I am. I've been in this for um, 47 years, September 12th. <laughs> the further you go with God, listen, the less options you have, the less choices you're allowed. the more confined you become. If you want the abiding presence, you got to let things be loped off. So those that find the fullness of that life are those that are willing to be confined by the pressure of circumstance. closer you get to Jesus, the less natural things you need. Did you hear that? That's not a popular message. It's true. It doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter. Paul said, none of these things move me. I don't even count my life dear to myself. That I may preach the gospel to the heathen. Psh. You know, you know, God's just got a way of letting you know, dude, you just ain't there yet. Keep working. Right? The closer you get to the Lord, the narrower the path becomes. 2 Corinthians 12. I think I'll stop with this one. 2 Corinthians, y'all okay? Y'all are awake, right? You're breathing? It's just not like quiet. It's just real quiet. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, I'm done after I read this. Because of the surpassing greatness, this is an Amplified New Testament. Amplified classic, I might add. Changed in 2015. Because of the surpassing greatness and the extraordinary nature of the revelations which I received from God. He was used to write, if you believe he wrote the book of Hebrews, over half the New Testament, okay? Because of the extraordinary nature of the revelations I received from God. For this reason... To keep me from thinking of myself as important. If God used you to write letters that would become the word of God, then you, know, you could be kind of pompous, bombastic, show-offy, if that's a word. To keep me from thinking of myself as important, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment and harass me, to keep me from exalting myself. Now, people have slobbered all over that verse. And a lot of people think, a lot of uh, conservative scholars believe that uh, Paul had ophthalmalia, which was some kind of weird eye disease where your eyes oozed this slime. And uh, I don't believe that. A messenger, in the Greek word, there's angelos. It's a demonic force that stirred up trouble everywhere Paul went. He was stoned. He was left for dead. We'll get into it next time. All the things he endured for the ministry. He said, a messenger of Satan to torment, harassment, wasn't sickness or disease, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness, my mercy, more than enough, always available, regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast, Paul says, by my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. So I am well pleased with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, and with difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I'm weak in human strength, then I'm strong. Truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. (laughs) Isn't that good? So if you think about what I've just said tonight, see, if you let it, it can change your perspective when you're being harassed at work. If somebody's planted in the cubicle beside you, who is opposite of your personality, and you want to nail their hide to the wall at least four times a day or you get a or you get a boss that is so obstinate oh Lord Jesus if you could you'd pray that they go to heaven early I mean you know or it could be a spouse it could be a a child that just won't quit I mean Jesus help us aggravating it could be anything it could be a neighbor whose dog poops in your yard three times a week ah oh. It could be, you know, or it could just be could be internal things that you're wrestling with. I don't know. I'm just telling you, if you, we, we need to change our perspective about difficulty. Because hard places are God's methods to take us to deeper places in Him. Because that's the only way we get rid of our pride, our self-centeredness, and our selfishness. Close your eyes a minute. Thank you, Lord. Sheesh. Lord, you know, I have to tell you that I'm talking to them, but you're talking to me. I I have not arrived in this, and I need help from you. I'm not ready to say I'm pleasuring weakness and distress and hardship, but Paul said it. All of us are at different places here, Lord, Some of us are aggravated beyond measure, frustrated beyond belief. And at the same time, you're wanting to work in us. Keep in our thought patterns what you did with Abraham, what you did with with Joseph, what you did with Moses, what you did with David, what you did with Paul. Keep in our remembrance, Lord, that Jesus endured the agonies of hell so we could enjoy the pristine pleasure of heaven. Lord, keep us, keep in our memory that hard places define us, mold our character, change how we do life. So, Lord, help us everyone to take advantage of the hard place. Now I want you to just lift your hands with me. If you can, as much as you, just thank God in the middle of your place. Well, I don't know what you're dealing with. Everybody's dealing with something different. Lift your hands and just thank God, you know. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus. Just give thanks, not for the problem, but in the middle of it. So, Lord, I just lift my hands, and we all do just worship you a minute. You got a really good song It goes along with all this. Lord, thank you for who you are. Lord, we just want to say thank you for ministering to us. And Lord, help us to make attitudinal adjustments, mental adjustments, perspective adjustments. In the name of Jesus, help us, Lord. Help anybody that's watching this online, whether it's today or another day. Help us as we go in our future. Lord, bring this to our remembrance as life gets tough and as judgments fall right in the middle of the United States of America. Lord, keep the perspective of this in us. Keep the perspective that you're watching us as the apple of your eye, that underneath us are the everlasting arms that the shepherd is watching over us, that you are molding us just like a potter molds clay.